Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Football season is over. The Clemson Tigers are the 2016 National Champions, and we now turn our attention to the hardwood. We've got a special episode for you today. Um, Because we've been focusing on football so much, we thought we'd take a closer look at the basketball team and see where they stand here um, about halfway through ACC play. You know, a lot of criticism of Brad Brownell ending last year but a lot of high expectations coming into this season. You know, you had Jerron Blossom game coming back, the opening of the new little John Coliseum, and three very exciting transfers in Shelton Mitchell, Marquise Reed, and Elijah Thomas. It was an NCAA tournament or bust for a lot of Clemson fans, and quite honestly, it got off to a great start, and it looked like Clemson had a clear path into the tournament. The non-conference schedule went well. Clemson goes 10-2, and and then they kick off the ACC uh, schedule with a big comfort behind win at Wake Forest. So then they find themselves sitting at 11 and 2 with an ACC road win, staring down a tough stretch in what was a pretty front-loaded ACC schedule. But after that Wake win comes six losses in a row, albeit some were competitive, actually many were competitive, but when you lose six in a row, those competitive losses start to mean less and less. And now Brad Brennell again, according to the fans, squarely on the hot seat. Uh, with a lot already calling for his head, even though there's a lot of games left to play uh, here in the ACC schedule, and quite honestly, the schedule gets a bit easier from here on out, on what is still a pretty talented team, especially on the offensive end. So to take a closer look at this team, we're bringing on Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland. He's a writer over there, both football and basketball, but he is one of their main basketball writers. Uh, So we welcome him onto the show to, to talk all things Clemson basketball and really take a look at this program a snapshot of where it stands at this point in the season. And then to follow that up, I'll have Cody Fowler, my fellow co-host here on the podcast, on to close things out, to take a closer look at the, the real Achilles heel of this team, which, which is its defense. Uh, so before we get started, a quick reminder uh, to follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud or your favorite podcasting app. That's really the best way to have our episodes uh, pushed to you as soon as they are available. You can also check out the Clemson Podcast on Facebook on Twitter, or email us at clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. And also a reminder to go check out TigerNet. Keep up to date with their great content. And, you know, football season's over, but again, there's basketball, there's National Signing Day, so a lot of stuff going on. Not to mention, they've teamed up with Fanatics to bring you championship gear. Uh, so go check it out. Get your gear. Go rep Clemson, and not only the state of South Carolina, but you know across the country and really across the world. So let's go ahead and kick things off here with Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland. Enjoy. Hey folks, we are here today with Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland. He's one of their lead basketball writers. Ryan, how's it going? All right. Thanks for having me. Before we get started on basketball, you know, I'd be remiss not to ask you about the uh, the football national championship. How do you enjoy that one? Oh, I mean, I, you know, it's I'm a Yankees fan. I'm a Lakers fan. I've enjoyed tons of championships. Uh, the 2011 ACC championship was was particularly special. But I don't know the rest of my life I'll, I'll top a sports feeling like that. I mean, the entire place was in tears. It, it was it was a magical sports moment. And it, it, frankly, moments like that are why we watch sports and why we care so much. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, I've mentioned it several times on the show since that how the, the smallest little things uh, tend to make you choke up going back and thinking about that game. So, yeah, just a really cool experience. Um, were you able to get into the game? Yeah, I was. And when Ben Bolware gave his post-game speech, that, that was almost the best moment of the game aside from the final drive. Uh, that guy's got a lot of heart, and he's everything that, that we love about Clemson. He really, he really buys it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy for him. Um, and, you know, and really the rest of the football team, so that was, that was pretty awesome. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk. You know, one, one thing before we jump to basketball, I, I, I echo your sentiment about, uh, you know, future championships maybe not being quite as stunning or special. Right. But when, when Dabo had the celebration and uh, in Death Valley the week after, and, and he was giving a speech talking about winning the right way, they're able to look, look back at this trophy and be transparent. It's really evident that Clemson stands for something more than just winning. And, man, I want to be like the righteous dynasty. I, I want to keep winning and I want to keep doing it the right way because that's it makes it more special than when – you know, the Patriots or some other superstar dynasty wins because maybe Clemson means a little bit more. So as long as we have data, I think winning will always be incredibly special. No, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you 100%. And I'm I'm convinced and, you know, it's by no fault of theirs, but people on the outside who didn't go to Clemson who aren't part of the, the family, um, I mean, not necessarily even if you went, just being a fan, if you grew up a fan, um, they don't understand. Um uh, what it's like uh, to be part of that community and how awesome it is that, that Dabo has come in and, you know, not, you know, being an Alabama graduate and Alabama, former Alabama player, he's fit right into the Clemson mindset and the way of life. And I think that's a, you know, that's going to go a long way to keeping him here and preventing him from ever jumping to Alabama. I honestly don't see him leaving just because I think he's built so much here and he, he'll never have that at Alabama. You're right. So let's talk about a, a slightly more depressing uh Clemson sport, and that's the men's basketball team. Um, you know, we've been so engulfed in football, uh, you know, all season, and especially the beginning of the basketball season, heading into uh, uh, bowl season, that we've we've hit here and there on the basketball team, and all the expectations and keeping up with stuff. We really wanted now to to take a time to to check in um, and talk to you and kind of give us some insight on you know what the expectations of this team were coming into the year and, and what we've seen so far. You know, we've, we're about halfway through the season or so, I guess maybe a little bit more, um, and almost halfway through our ACC schedule. And after a hot start, Clemson coming now off a six-game losing streak after losing tonight at home to Virginia Tech. Um, so it's been a very interesting season, actually quite different than last year, where we didn't have a great out-of-conference schedule, and then we were hot to start the ACC when we went into um, played that gauntlet of a schedule that we had last year. So let's first talk about the expectations uh, coming into this year. You know, there was a lot of excitement um, heading into the season with Ron Boston game coming back. You've got Shelton Mitchell, Marquise Reed, and Elijah Thomas joining the team, all, you know, pretty highly touted uh, transfers. Then obviously you got the new little John Coliseum. So expectations were high, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. Um, when we did our, our annual season preview, um, I, I was feeling that this team could really make the NCAA tournament just to kind of check my optimism. I, I kind of passed that around with our other writers and they, they all more or less agreed for the last, uh, I'd say the last two years. Um, the, uh, I won't say excuse, but the, the thing that I pointed to when, when, Brownell detractors have gotten really worked up. So just, just wait till the 16, 17 season. That's the year our roster is going to come together. We have Brownell. 
Um, I mean, we have uh, Blossom game. He'll, he'll be a senior. Grantham will be a junior. We have this transfer coming in from San Francisco. He'll be a senior that year. That's the year we're going to be really, really good. Um, and I looked really smart until uh, till we blew that game against North Carolina and then started this long losing streak. So um, expectations were, you know, not Sweet 16, but at least cracked the tournament field. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I still think they should be. Um, you know, this team still sits at 11 and 8. I know we're 1 and 6 in the conference, but there's a lot of basketball left to play. And to be honest with you, Again, we went through a very, very tough stretch of games, and we were competitive in all of them except for Louisville. Um, the ACC schedule was front-loaded this year, and uh, as we look to turn uh, towards the back half of it, um, really the only ranked teams I think we have right now are Florida State twice and Duke. So there's a lot of wins uh, out there on the table that can still be had. So it's not time to throw in the towel on this team yet, but you know there is a lot of cause for concern. You know They, they entered ACC play at 10-2 and went undefeated in December. Um, couldn't have really asked for a better out-of-conference showing. Um, and then they, you know, they'd come back and beat Wake on the road uh, in the first game in the ACC to go 11-2. And at that point, we're feeling really good. And even with the overtime loss to North Carolina, you're still feeling okay. Um, but then we keep taking these hits, and it all kind of you know, culminated in that blowout at Louisville. And then, of course, tonight with the loss, which I thought was a must-win against Virginia Tech. Yeah, it was absolutely a must-win. Um you know, some of the losses before, we, we outplayed North Carolina and we barely lost in overtime. A couple of missed free throws, um, some poor box outs, gave up some, some bad offensive rebounds. Went on the road, just about beat Notre Dame. Um, their offense is fantastic. I mean, you want to win those games, but that's not too, those aren't the worst games to lose in the, in the ACC. And then we went on the road and lost to Georgia Tech. And that hurt because I just don't think they're that talented. Um, and we were just really cold that night. You come, you lose to Virginia, you lose to Louisville. Again, uh, that's Kempom number six, and number nine teams, respectively. So not the worst losses there. But then to come home and score 81 points and lose to Virginia Tech, that's the one that I think is just a bad home loss. I mean, Virginia Tech's a good team. They could even be a tournament team, but you, you don't lose that game. You don't lose the sixth game in the row at home to a middle-of-the-road ACC team and think you're making the tournament. I think that's a really bad loss. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you, you pointed out one thing there, you know, how many points we're putting up. And it's been pretty consistent all year. This is one thing that we haven't seen under the Brad Brownell era is consistent offense and good shooting. And, you know, we thought, you know, again, early in the season, we were seeing that out of guys like Mitchell and Marquise Reed um, and Avery Holmes. But uh, that has not proven to be enough. It's the defense, uh, which, you know, is usually really good under Brad Brownell's. The defense has really been failing us. You're right. If we put up 81 points at home, we should we should win that, that ball game, but the defense has really let this team down and it starts, uh, I think on the perimeter, uh, defending the perimeter is not very good. You know, you've got Mitchell and Reed look like they're more interested in scoring than anything else. Avery Holmes is a bit undersized and, and Gabe DeBoe just seems lost out there on defense most of the time. Um, and then, you know, on the inside, the rebounding hasn't been there. So yeah, I guess, what do you see that needs to improve? Um, obviously the scoring and the talent on that end is there, but it, to me, it looks like the defense is the problem. Yeah, the the man-to-man defense is it's I mean it's maybe the worst in the conference, which is really surprising. They're 77th overall in Ken Palm defensive efficiency, but when you filter to only conference games, it's 15th out of 15. So it's bad. Um, and, and and I think I think that's part of the reason why some of the projections and I don't want to say we're wrong, but could have been wrong. We'll, we'll see how the rest pans out. But it, it's a lot easier to look at some of the guys coming in, see 
the talent they have. Look at their offensive statistics and their advanced statistics because those numbers are out there. And it's a lot easier to parse through um, shooting percentages and effective field goal percentage things like that. Um, but the man-to-man defense that Brownell's teams have always been great in, um, it's just not very good. They just get beat off the dribble. They're, they they overhelp and the guys are always open for three. I mean, they're, they're always open for three, it seems. Um, the defensive efficiency, not, not just filtering to conference play, but the overall, it's 77th in the country. And I went back through the Kempom years and I kept going back and back and back. And I almost ran out of years um, to go, go before Kempom was around. It was the 2001-2002 season. Um, it was the last time that Clemson had a, a defense with a with a worse efficiency. Um, that's a long time. That's the entire uh, OP era. That's everything Brownells had. Um, so I don't know if it's a buy-in issue with the players or – uh, I can't imagine it's an athleticism issue, but, you know, we've never had maybe this caliber of, of, of basketball skill with Brownell. And we, that's always what we need. We need someone who can make shots. We need skill, not just athleticism. And we got it. And now we're kind of wishing we had more athleticism instead of skill right now. Yeah, I guess it's not totally surprising um, that you bring in a bunch of shooters and your defense uh, takes a hit. But, I mean... To, to think that it would have been to this extreme, I don't think we would have seen that, especially given Brad, uh, Brad Brownell's track record. So, again, so, I, so you don't have any indication of whether or not if these guys just, I mean, are they just not interested in playing defense? You know, I did not watch um, a lot of Reed or Mitchell um, at uh, uh, their previous schools at all, so I'm not really sure. You know, I, I saw the stats, you know, I saw the, uh, the scoring and read everything about them, but... Didn't really look into their defense. Um, and then obviously Gabe DeVoe, as much as he's improved in, in his offensive game, he's it's just defensively, it's just not there. So I don't know what it's going to take to get these guys. What I will say about Brad Donnell is I've never really seen him lose a team. Um, so I don't really expect that to start now. But, you're, I mean, there's a lot of basketball to be played left, uh, left to be played. But you are starting to run out of time a bit um, to start to figure this stuff out. Yeah, and and with Brownell teams, I feel like their defense. Maybe this is only perception, uh, but it seems like the defense does improve as the year goes on. Um, but the offense has never really been there, and this year the offense is there. So if the defense is going to improve, they're they're out of time. They really they can't really lose any more games that they should win. Um, but the season's not totally over. But they absolutely cannot lose to Pittsburgh or Georgia Tech. Back to back must win games or essentially elimination games because. If you drop seven, or I guess if you drop to one and seven, and then or or two and seven, there, there's no way you get to 500. And you know, if you're a game below 500 or two games below um, in conference play, I think you need you probably need eight wins to have a, a decent shot um, right. to make tournament. If you if you get if you go seven and eleven in the ACC, you're, you're probably toast. Yeah, I mean, if you go seven and eleven, you're going to have to win a few games. You're going to have to make a tourney run. Um, an right. ACC turning run to to get in there. I mean, you know, the ACC is a deep conference and is going to get a lot of respect on the national scene, and you expect to see a handful of teams uh, from this conference go uh, into the NCAA tournament. But, you know, you kind of need to be closer to the upper half than, you know, rock bottom where Clemson is right now. Um, so right. S- speaking of Ken guy, Pom- go ahead. Ken Palm has his eighth in the ACC uh, I don't know how many bids the ACC, ACC will get, but you'd like to be in the top seven to feel like you have a decent shot. But it's not just going to be on what the advanced stats say. At some point, you have to you have to win a game. Well, and I guess the if you can say it's fortunate, but uh, a fortunate thing this year. You know, last year the team got off to a hot start in the ACC, but then really uh, it really got rough and went downhill towards the uh, end of the conference schedule. This year it could be the opposite of that, where they could finish strong, and if they finish strong, uh, the the 
tournament committee is going to look um, take more notice of that. Um, and I think that'll be weighed more heavily into consideration when discussing whether or not Clemson should actually be in. You pair that with the out-of-conference schedule, and, you know, Clemson gets in just fine, I think, if, if, if they start playing better basketball. So, I mean, it's not over yet. There's Again, I mentioned there's a lot to be played. This team can turn it around, but we're going to have to see some um, some improvement out of certain guys. And I want to kind of focus on uh, Mitchell and Reed here just because they are newcomers to the team. We can talk about Thomas in a minute. But, you know, what do you think it is – do you think it's the difference of actually playing in the ACC? Um, you know, maybe they look good now to conference. They look good at their previous uh, schools, but playing the ACC is a different animal. Do you think that's really affected him, especially or affecting them, um, especially Sheldon Mitchell? Because I really think he's struggling in ACC play. Sure, to some extent, but I mean, he played at Vanderbilt, which is which is you know the SEC is not not the best basketball conference, but it's not the Colonial. Um, and you know, he played really well against Virginia Tech. I, he had um, what was it? He had 10 assists, two turnovers. So, um, you know, he's never been a a dead eye shooter or anything. And 10 assists from your point guard is pretty darn good. I think his only problem is is his defense. He's not not super uh, ultra athletic or or he didn't come build as a superstar defender. But I don't know that his specific defense has been bad. Um, Marquise Reed's had more issues defensively. And I think we knew that coming in. But he's been probably our best offensive player. so I think we somewhat knew what we were getting a little bit with these guys. Um, if anything, I, I've been a little impressed with Sheldon Mitchell's shooting. Um, he was billed as a phenomenal distributor, and he's been very good, and a, and a kind of poor shooter. And he hasn't been a poor shooter. He's been a pretty decent shooter, and he's run the transition offense beautifully. I, I like what I've seen from Sheldon Mitchell. Um, okay, so so let's move inside then and go to some of the bigger men. Um, you know, obviously, we can talk about Jerron Blossom game. We'll, we'll do that here in a minute, but... A guy like Dante Grantham, you really would have hoped to see a lot more development out of him now this being uh, here his third year in the program and his third season starting as a starter. Uh, but oftentimes it seems that if his jump shot isn't going down, he just kind of disappears in the game. What do you what do you see out of him? Do you expect any more improvement? Or we just is this who he is? I know. I had just maybe, maybe unrealistic uh, expectations from him. He's really athletic. He, he's tall. Um for the position he plays. Um, he's an okay three-point shooter, but he shoots more threes than twos, which makes no sense. Last year, he shot 158 three-pointers um, to 152, uh, excuse me, 123 two-pointers. And this year, it started off um, to not going that way. He was taking more twos than threes. And now it's it's slowly moving back to taking more threes. He's got uh, four more three-pointers than he has two-pointer uh, attempts. And, and when he drives, I mean, sometimes he's pretty good at I don't know if he gets blocked once and loses confidence or, or what, but he's not a, a excellent three-point shooter. He's an adequate three-point shooter, and, and I wish he would drive to the lane more. He's six eight or so, and, and he's playing the three. We haven't seen him really put on a lot of muscle, though, You know, since his freshman year. When he came in, he looked pretty raw, and I was hoping an offseason uh, in the conditioning program would help him put some muscle and put on some muscle and have a more dominant inside presence, but it just seems to have taken. I mean, he could just be one of these guys that doesn't put on muscle, and that's fine, but um, it, it, part of me thinks that the reason he is afraid to go inside is, you know, if he gets blocked once that he just starts to shy away from it, or he just doesn't have the capability to be as physical as he needs to be. I will say John Blossom game has put on a ton of muscle, um, since he came in as a freshman, but you're right. Dante Grantham hasn't, uh, ESPN has him listed at six, eight, two fifteen, which seems pretty, pretty skinny to me. You got that moving further inside. I mean, 
the addition of Elijah Thomas has been good, especially from the offensive side of the ball. He's not rebounding as much as I would like him to. Um, and then you have City Jute, who, although he has improved over the years, he's still somewhat limited in, in what he's able to do and still having foul issues. Uh, Clemson hasn't really had a, a dominant inside presence since the Trevor Booker, James Mays days. Um, do you see a guy like Elijah Thomas being able to turn into something like that? I don't think he's going to be the athletic freak type guy that uh, Trevor Booker was. Um, but but I think he's a pretty skilled big man. Um, he's a quality defensive rebounder, not very good on the offensive glass, um, at least not as, as the stats bear out so far. But he's got um, some decent post moves. He's, he uh, seems to have, you know, a, a good a good shot from kind of, I guess mid range. Uh, I think he's a good offensive player, and you see that a little bit when Brownell does offense defense subs with uh, with with Jitty and uh, and Thomas, where he tries to get Thomas in on offense. Um, you know, he was a, a freshman at A and M last year, so he's only a sophomore. So he's got two years to develop, and you got to remember a lot of times with Clemson, we bring in guys who are are not anywhere near uh, basketball, or especially ACC ready as freshmen in the post in particular. Um, think like a legend or Burton. And by the time they're juniors, they're pretty good. They have one really nice year as a senior and then they're gone. Well, Thomas is only a sophomore and he's already a, a pretty polished contributor. So if we get two more years of him, he can be pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think uh, the ceiling is high for him. Absolutely. From seeing him play, I am really excited to see, but he's still on the smaller side for a big man. Is he he's about six, eight or six, nine or so? Yeah, he's six, nine. Which uh, I guess for college just... isn't too bad. No, they, they refer to him, uh, I've heard this a couple times, as a below-the-rim player, um, which is true, right? He, he's not a, a crazy athlete jumping up, swatting a ton of balls. But um, I, I think he can be a, a quality ACC big man and, and maybe a more skilled big man than we've had in a long time. Um, but I think maybe this team's more skilled than Clemson teams in the past. And, and that's what we've wanted every year. We complain we don't have a shooter. Could somebody make a three? Um, and, and we got it. And now we're like, man, I wish we had some athleticism. Why don't we have any plucky guys? So, you, you know, you just can't win with Clemson basketball sometimes, it feels. Yeah, well, and again, I, I think there's time for that to, to gel still. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, certainly I think the theme of all of this, we know we can score. It's We've seen that all year long. It's the defense that's really been the issue. Um so let's let's touch on Jerron Blossom game here. You know, obviously, big to do about him coming back for his senior season. Could have gone uh, to the NBA last year. Probably would have been drafted somewhere in the second round. He didn't like uh, the projections that he saw. He came back, and for Brad Brownell, that's huge. Um, it's really shot in the arm for the program. So again, a lot of expectations for him coming into this year. He's been scoring, but he's been kind of one-dimensional. It seems his his, his long-range game. I think he's shooting somewhere in the range of like 17, 18 percent from three, which actually has risen here lately. He's starting to hit them a little bit, but do you think his draft stock has taken a hit um, just based on his play this year, maybe being a little bit more one-dimensional? How do you, how would you compare it to where it was last year? I don't know how NBA scouts evaluated his three-point shooting last year. He went from being not a very good three-point shooter to a huge swing, being a great three-point shooter, and then so far this year being back to a terrible three-point shooter. So, you know, who's the real drum blossom game from behind the arc? Um he was one for 11 in ACC play coming into the Louisville game, had, I think, two three-pointers in that game and had a couple more against Virginia Tech. He's seen his three-point percentage creep up finally above 20%. It's like 20, 21.8%, which is not good, but hopefully he can he can get that up to close to 30 by the time the season's over and uh, it won't hurt his draft stock too much. What I have noticed, it seems like 
prior to last season, I'm going to guess that he worked on his three-point shot because it skyrocketed. And this year, he probably went to camp and they said, you need to work on some post moves. And he's developed some awesome post moves. But he seems to have lost his touch from from three. Um, they don't all look exactly the same when he shoots them, which is a little concerning. Um, but I think last year was a little fluky too. And I think his, you know, point uh, or 21.8% th- from three this year is fluky bad. So I think they probably level out and, he, and he's probably more of a 30 something percent shooter. Well, the, the other, th- the other thing is kind of concerning too. You're also seeing that from his free throw shooting because he's actually down um, uh, about nine points this year from where he was last year. Um, so again, that could be a carryover. If his shot's not the same from three, that can affect his free sh- free throw shooting, I assume. Um, so maybe you're right. Maybe going to the camps and having him in there and then having him working on a different part of his game. But, you know, this can't be what he expected. I know it's certainly not what Clemson fans expected. Although, that being said, he's leading the team in scoring um, and he still has been our most dominant presence this year. Yeah, but, you know, to your point, you know, he's six seven and he's playing the four in college. If he goes to the pros and he's playing the three and he can't make a three-pointer and he's a 68% free throw shooter, he's going to have a lot of trouble in the pros, especially against much more athletic defenders. So um, his his shooting probably does need to improve uh, to, just to get back to where he was last year. Well, hopefully his uh, his better uh, three-point shooting of late continues and he starts to get hot. Um, but again, you know, his we, we got offense. There's, there's plenty of offense on this team. There's a lot of guys that are scoring up above uh, averaging over eight, nine, ten points a game. Um, so that hasn't been the issue. It just it, it comes down to defense, and we'll have to see how uh, this season rounds out and uh, Brownell can uh, you know get this team to, to focus on their weaknesses and improve on them. Yeah, every guy, uh, all seven, um, or I guess it's even eight, basically every every key contributor on the team has an offensive rating over 100. I mean, it's a good offense. It's a really good offense. Avery Holmes um, underwhelmed a little last year. Maybe my expectations were unrealistic for him, but he's shooting uh, – almost 41% from three. He he's shooting 43% from two. He's one of our better on the ball defenders. Avery Holmes has been really good. Um, Marquise Reed has defense hasn't been there all the time, but he's been a great shooter. And, and Mitchell, I think is a very good distributor. Um, Blossom games three, hopefully will come around now. And, and if that happens, I mean, this is a great offense. Um, they don't even have to be a dominant defensively to be a, you know, a bubble tournament team. No, they need to at least try though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least that effort would be appreciated. Yeah, at least give it a shot. So uh, let's let's talk Brad Brownell here. You know, a lot of people already with the loss tonight are, are back. You know, asking for his head. Um, he was arguably on the hot seat last year. At least he was according to the fans. You know, he, he does have that contract. He got the six year contract extension a couple years ago that takes him through, I believe, the twenty twenty season. Um, so with all the expectations uh, coming into this year and where the team sits right now, if they're not able to pull this out. And and get attorney berth. Do you see him coming back as a Clemson coach next year? I think the question should he or will he are different. Um, for some reason, I just I don't feel like like he would be let go unless he totally loses the team and they win five or six conference games. Um, that being said, at some point, the question isn't does he deserve to be here. The question isn't you know does he deserve to be fired, but. What's the best that you could see a Brad Brownell Clemson basketball team doing? If this roster, the one that maybe maybe wrongly, hopefully so rightly, I've built up for the last two years as being the one that gets, gets us back to the tournament. If they win six, seven uh, ACC games, and then you see, and then Avery Holmes, City, and uh, Blossom game leave, they're not going to make it the following year. Are you just going to wait a year and then fire him? 
And if you're gonna do that, that's a waste. Uh, and if you're not, uh, what's the, what's the ceiling for Brownell Clemson? Is he ever gonna make it to the Sweet 16? And if you're willing to say no and keep him, like, what's what's the point of uh, of watching basketball? What's the point of dumping all that money into Little John Coliseum? If if you're, yeah, if, you're I mean, if you're not gonna commit to putting a product out there on the court that's gonna be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if we're okay with the occasional NIT run, um, then I would have rather spent spent that money on football. I mean, that how the football needs the money, but I mean, there's no point in pouring a bunch of money into 500. Yeah, but you know, and, and to that point, I I don't think there's a reason Clemson fans should expect that basketball can't be good um, because I think it can be. I, you know, Clemson has a has a rich sports history at this point, um, and that can that can have a filter down effect to the other sports. You know, we just won our second national championship in football, won the ACC in baseball last year, really looking up uh, this year. So there's no reason why Clemson basketball can't be good. So I think you've seen the administration start to buy into that, especially dumping money into the, the little John renovation. Um, so it's really going to come down to you. Like you mentioned, do, do you think Brad Brownell can get us there and you can't keep giving him, Oh, well, we need one more year, one more year after that. Or no, no, all these guys left, so that's the excuse. We need two more years to develop some more people. At a certain point, you have to cut the court, right? I mean, I like Brad Brownell a lot. I'm, I'm looking at his, his contract and the buyouts. And last year, when people were calling for him to be fired last year, it was, just, it was frankly silly because of who we had coming this year. Um, this was supposed to be the year, so it didn't make sense to fire him. But financially, it was, it was silly. His buyout last year was $5 million. You had to wait for this year where it dropped to three and a half. Um, so three and a half is a lot for a basketball coach, um, at least the basketball coach at a football school. I mean, next year's only going to drop to three, and the year after that is only three. So if he's not going to get it done this year and you don't believe in him, what's the point of waiting for another year when we lose? So we're probably going to be worse. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, so I, it's, it's taking a snapshot at the program and deciding if after this year with Boston game being gone and the other guys that are leaving um, – is that the right time to, to rebuild and just kind of turn the page and start from scratch? And it, it may be, um, but it may not, you know, and again, there's a lot of work left to be done in this season and we're certainly not hoping uh, for failures. You know, we want to see this team succeed when they're playing well, they're in a really exciting basketball team to watch. Um, so we just have to hope they get there. But, you know, I, I think you're right. I think the, the end may be near if we don't see a big turnaround. Yeah. I mean, they've lost, They've lost really just two games that they shouldn't have lost. Um, and, and, they, and, this, and go ahead. And they've been competitive in most of these recent losses. Yeah, I mean they were competitive against North Carolina on the road at Notre Dame. Uh, Virginia was, you know, right to the end. Um, and this, this last one, they lost by a point. I mean, it was really a four-point game, but they lost. They scored eighty-one points and barely lost. Um, so, so I mean, they have two must-win games if they could beat Pittsburgh on the road, come back and beat Georgia Tech, maybe this, this conversation ends for a little while. Well, I think certainly having a week off um, here, I, we don't play again until next weekend. I think that's really going to help this team. We heard there was a players-only meeting the other night. Who knows what came out of that? Obviously not a win against Virginia Tech this, this <laughs> evening. <laughs> but it, it doesn't mean that it can't have uh, lasting effects. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Still, still worth watching and paying attention to this basketball team for sure. What would you say right now? You know, again, they're sitting at eleven and eight, one and six in the conference. How do you think they have to perform? What record do they need to finish out the regular season to avoid having to to make an ACC tourney run to get into the get into the tourney? 
if they go eight and ten, which is only one win more than Ken Palm predicts, so it's not unrealistic. Uh, if they can get get to eight and ten, that gives them eighteen wins, which is kind of borderline. Maybe pick up a, conf- a conference tournament win that's nineteen. Maybe that gets you in. I think that at least is enough for for Brownell to stay for another year. So yeah, I think you got to get get to eight eight and ten. I think you're right there. I. Just because of how well we played out of conference and because, you know, going 7-4 of over the last stretch, that's a pretty good run to, to finish out the season. I still tend to think that they may need, may need an ACC tourney win at that point. Um, I think 8-3, and three, if they're, they're able to go 8-3, and three, especially if you get a win over Duke or Florida State, um, that, that'll definitely have them in without, no matter what they do in the ACC tournament, that would put them in 19 wins um, and uh, even um, 500 in the conference. So I think that's no, no brainer. It's when we get into that seven and four, um, area where it starts to become questionable. Yeah. I mean, if they go seven and 11 overall in the conference, they're, they're probably not going to get in without s- some sort of spectacular run. And, and if they go seven and 11, they're probably not good enough to make a spectacular run. So very highly unlikely. Um, okay. Well, that about wraps it up. You know, that's our snapshot of where we, uh, where we stand right now in the basketball season for the, for the Clemson Tigers, you know, again, definitely not time to give up on this team. Uh, a lot of basketball left to be played. We'll just have to see how it all plays out. Um, and, you know, if, if ultimately they aren't able to make it to the tournament, there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion about who the basketball coach uh, should be for the Tigers next year, not just from the fans. I imagine that that's going to start coming from the administration. Um, Ryan, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, Looking forward to having you back on maybe later in the season and, you know, maybe talk more positively about this team. Yep. Hopefully that's the case. Look forward to it. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. All right. Again, thank you to uh, Ryan Cantor for coming on. Uh, Cody, let me bring you in here um, because we were having some good conversation uh, a little earlier and, you know, really pinpointing, you know, I I think the defense being the culprit on this team this year, obviously the offense has uh, been doing better, but, Describe a little bit more what you're seeing out of this defense and what the issue is. Well, first, you can reference my article. I do like uh, kind of a point by point type uh, through Shaking the Southland. You can see like where all the deficiencies, what they are, um, see them elaborated on. Uh, check that out. Um, it came out yesterday. But I think it starts. I think it starts with uh, with just poor concentration, poor. I don't want to say effort because I don't think it is effort. I think it's just a lack of discipline, um, lack of focus, because there's there's just these mistakes that are completely um, correctable. They're, they shouldn't have, shouldn't be happening. Uh, mistakes for guys like guards are just completely out of position. Um, I would say the guards um, aren't press, kind of pressing the issue, uh, and it makes it makes for a really easy defense to penetrate. Um, but uh, man. The, the, it kind of runs the gamut when you talk about all of the deficiencies and trying to pinpoint one or two, it would be tough. But I think it starts with the perimeter defenders from, you know, from your point guard, Shelton Mitchell, all the way to your um, kind of your wing power forward, uh, Jerome Blossom game. Like it's, it's all of these guys. And I think uh, they, they really just got to kind of increase their intensity and, and the focus. Now you speak of the intensity, but do you think it's more so a lack of lack of effort or just a lack of defensive ability in general? You know, it, it's tough to say, and I think for each player it might be a little bit different. But I think it's I, I think the effort what what most 
players who are des- that are engineered to be good offensive players, which is the case for guys like Marquise Reed and, and Avery Holmes and Shelton Mitchell. I think this is their first time playing defense and playing hard defense. And I think their interpretation of good hard defense is, you know, when your guy has the ball, just play really hard, exert a lot of energy. But I think it's 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 it goes well beyond that. It's 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 the finer points. It's denying the ball. It's keeping an eye on your man uh, when your when your man does pass and he get in um, and he's running off a screen. It's fighting through that screen. It's like it's every part of uh, every part of uh, the defense um, just playing hard. It, it's hard to say if it's effort, but I think it's again. I think it's them thinking they're playing hard and not knowing that there there's an extra gear. There's some another level that you have to get to. And, and by the way, NBA scouts are looking for this now. Um, the things that you put on film. Uh, it will come back to bite you. Uh, you can you can fill up the box score you want with 18 point, 20 point games. Uh, NBA scouts don't care. They, they're gonna they're gonna pick through your defense. And if you can't guard a college point guard, um, you're you're not your future in the NBA is 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 probably unlikely. So it almost sounds like you're saying that um, you know a, a greater defensive effort that may you know just because of the energy that you exhaust that that may ultimately. Uh, reduce your offensive output by maybe 10 points a game could ultimately, if it saves you 15 uh, points on the defensive end, 15 to 18 points, that it's well worth it. Right. And that, you know, that's a, that's kind of a, a nice way to look at it because we have been a good offense this year, despite what, you know, a little bit of uh, kind of the late, uh, late second, late minute or last minute kind of things that where we fail uh, might lead us to fail, but we're actually a really good and efficient offense. But I guess what you're saying is like the trade-off would be um, you you don't muster up as much energy on defense, and most a lot of offensive first players don't muster up the, the energy; they save it, and that's okay if you're in the NBA and you're and you're that's your role, and you got guys that can pick up the slack. But in this case, in this team, you have about three to four guys that are maybe don't ratchet up the intensity, um, and because it would take away from a little bit of their offense. And I would agree with you; I think it's fine. I think when you got a 30th ranked by Ken Palm, 30th ranked offense and a roughly 70th ranked defense, I, I think you got to meet in the middle a little bit, even if it does give way uh, and if it does mean your offense takes a small uh, step back. Well, and we may have identified the root of the problem there. Um, you know, bringing in so many offensive uh, minded guys within a two year span. Obviously, you had Avery Holmes last year. You see the emergence of Gabe DeVoe this year. You bring in Marquise Reed and Shelton Mitchell and even Elijah Thomas. We're seeing him, his value is tending to be more on the offensive end than anything else. I mean, his rebound totals are pretty low. Um, so that's it's not a lot of defense, you know, on the team. Even John Blossom game, he's not a defense first guy. Right. And, you know, it's that word toughness. And that's the thing about basketball. And, and Bill Simmons has a book called The Book of Basketball. It's like 1,300 pages. But he, in the book, he talks about the secret of basketball. And the secret of basketball is – it's that we look at we look at basketball and the way that we look at stats the completely the complete wrong way. We we say what did you contribute to the team um, and how how can we evaluate evaluate you versus another player as opposed to how did you make the team better what did you contribute to the win and like it goes to toughness. So like a guy like Elijah Thomas who's still I think going to have a, a terrific career at Clemson. He does he does make some nice back to the basket moves and his offense is, is very polished for a for a second year player but that toughness he's gotta he's gotta do the little things get rebounds uh, be a little bit quicker on the pick and rolls like move his feet better um, just be a more well-rounded defender uh, it's a lot of things and it, it's really hard to quantify um, but 
if there's one weak link, like everyone gets, everyone is worse because of it. But when there's on any given possession three weak links, it's just a complete disaster. Given the point where we uh, are at in the season right now, do you see the possibility for a turnaround on the defensive end? Do you think it's going to click for these guys? Yeah, you know, I talked a little bit about that in the article. It's very common for teams to turn the uh, kind of turn uh, the momentum at this point to start for the light bulb to go off. I've seen it. Uh, in, in so many cases, and a lot of times it's with these young teams, if you look at Kentucky, you see it all the time. And while Clemson doesn't have a bunch of freshmen, there are it's the same concept. You're still trying to gel uh, existing guys, upperclassmen with these transfers. And sometimes it just clicks and the light bulb goes off. But the caveat to that is guys have to be committed. And they have to be not just committed to their offense and, and, um, and having good games, but committed on the defensive side. Um, right now, I think we're trending towards, no, we won't turn it around, but uh, it, it absolutely is possible. Well, I'll say this before, and uh, I'll say it again. You know, One thing about Brad Brownell is that I don't ever recall seeing a team quit and give up on him. Um, so that should give uh, Clemson fans some hope right now. Um, right, and, and I would say Jerron Blossom game, too. I think there's enough senior leadership, at least I hope there is, where I think you know, he came back for this season. He didn't come back to be a loser. And I think I think they, the team can kind of rally behind that. And uh, we'll, we'll see how things go, though. It, it has to be everyone. Everyone has to be bought in, like Davo says. you got to be all in. So speaking of Jerron Blossom game, is, where do you see his draft, draft stock right now as compared to last year? Do you think it was worth him coming back? Well, with, you know, the benefit of hindsight, uh, we're, I guess we could say no. Um but you know, I'm gonna I'll I'll put a quick caveat and a quick footnote on that because so he's he's ranked 47th in, in Chad Ford's uh-huh. top 100 and he he had a really showed a lot of improvement from his sophomore year to his junior year in three point field goal percentage. I think it was something around um, 27 percent to 30, uh, to, or maybe it was like 40. It was over 40, close to 42, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. So I, I'm sorry, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it was a, a nice bump and it shows hey, this guy's working on it. Um, this guy knows that he needs to improve, and that shows you know a lot of good things. Now it goes down to 15% in his senior year, and for Blossom game, uh, you know I think the way this the scale that he's being graded on, it's not if he can be a franchise player or an all star because he's he's not going to be that. He's just not that good. But he does have to make jump shots. He does have to make three point shots, particularly those corner threes in the NBA. If you can't hit three points, three pointers, then your guy doesn't have to play. He can play off of you, and it makes. Um, everyone's job easier on, on defense. He's got to be able to improve that. What you see from him is a more well-rounded offensive game this year, a lot of back-to-the-basket stuff, and, and credit to the team and Brownell, I think, for getting him in those kind of ISO-type uh, situations where he has been efficient. But um, I, I don't see that being his calling card in the NBA. That So that skill set, it doesn't necessarily or won't necessarily translate to the NBA. Um, defense, you know, uh, I think, like you said, defense hasn't been his strong suit. That's where he can make a name for himself, just being a tenacious defender. And from what I've seen, he's a good defender, not great, and you know, not enough to where I'm going to take a first first round first round uh, kind of leap on you, given your three point production has been that low. Um, so, uh, long story short, or coming full circle with your question, with hindsight, it's not a good good decision to come back, but ultimately. Uh, I think he still has a, a a long NBA career ahead of him if he just keeps his mind, you know, keeps his mind right and focuses because he's a high character guy. Um, NBA teams are looking for that sort of thing.
Well, and, you know, you think of a guy like Trevor Booker, who's just, you know, a hard worker and a grinder, and he's cut out a niche for himself in the NBA. Um, exactly. Perfect. Yeah, great example. And that honestly tends to be, well, at least in recent you know, memory, tends to be what Clemson players, the role that they serve when they, you know, when and if they do eventually make it to the league. Right. So, so where he gets drafted, if it's like into the first round or if it's 10 picks into the second round, Ultimately, I don't think it might affect you know that first contract that he has with the first team, but ultimately, I don't think it affects his long-term uh, kind of NBA trajectory. He is what he is. Um, he just needs to improve the little things like like three-point shooting. Well, yeah, and you mentioned that you know he is up to almost twenty-two percent uh, this year. He's been shooting a little bit better. His field goal percentage is actually a tad higher this year overall. You know, and he's you know, hovering around the same point total, which is, you know, it's encouraging considering there are a lot more shooters on the team who, who command, uh, demand the ball more. So, you know, again, just like with him and the rest of the team, we'll, we'll see how these things play out. Um, so before we uh, uh, go today, you know, you mentioned that things weren't trending to the point where, uh, you know, you thought this team was going to be able to put it back together this season. Um, and I, I think it's a lot of Clemson fans are asking this right now, and you know a lot of them are already calling for Brad Brownell's head. I, I still think it's way too early, um, you know, halfway through the ACC schedule almost to 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 be pulling the rug out from under him. Um, but you know, at this point, if Clemson does not ultimately make the NCAA tournament, um, even with his buyout, do you think it's fair to say that he's probably gone? Uh, yeah, that's tough to say, and it, it's tough to bark up that tree on you know calling for a guy's job uh, or to even suggest that he should be fired. Um, and things, I, I think, like you said, I, don't, I think there's a long way to go. We, we're still looked at as the the, four, um, the first four out uh, in Lenardi's Joe Lenardi's bracketology. So if we can turn it around, get a few key wins, then we can certainly be back in, and then the, the season looks completely different. And so does Brownell's job security. But um, it's tough to say, like, to judge. All I can say is I see what the product is now, um, and I see kind of the double-edged sword of bringing in transfers and bringing in uh, an assortment of offensive-minded transfers. Um, it was it was kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, he, he, I feel some sympathy for him and some compassion for him. I, I want to see this team turn it around. I think if it just keeps going off a cliff and he can't pull the team together at all, then I think you know that might seal his fate, and maybe deservedly so. But um, the bar has been set kind of low at this point, so I think we should see some improvement. I think we should see some wins, and then I think we're having a different discussion in uh, probably two months or a month and a half, whatever it is. Well, and again, the the front half of Clemson's ACC schedule was uh, heavily loaded. Um, it, it gets a lot easier from here on out. So. You yeah. know, as I mentioned, and it'd be asinine for anybody to root against this team or root against Brad Brownell just uh, to ultimately end up seeing him fire. You know, we're all hoping that uh, these guys are able to, uh, to pull it back together. To be honest, I mean, the exciting part about this team this year is it has been fun watching them at least be able to score points for once. Um, now, if they could just start to pull it together in the defensive end, then, you know, this could turn into a formidable team. Let's, let's not forget, this is a team that, you know, went undefeated in December. Uh, started the season 11 and two after going 10 and two in non and out of conference play. So this team has talent. This team has the ability to win. Uh, they're going through a slump right now after going through a tough part of the schedule. Um, so there's you know there's you know doubt is um, reasonable at this point, but there's also reason to believe that they can't turn it around. I'd say. Yeah, I think, and I agree with you on the the, the schedule is not a whole lot easier. Let's be honest, uh, and there are always those those tough ACC road games. 
but I think it's a lot more manageable. And I think there's something to be said when you stack North Carolina on Virginia, on, on Louisville, Notre Dame, and all these tough games. Like, I think, uh, as Brownell said, they're wounded. Their, their ego's probably a little bit hurt. Um, I think I think they need to regroup, and but, but regroup fast because there's not really a whole lot of time um, at, at this rate. Well, the remainder of the schedule does feature more of the bottom half of the ACC, and that's going to start uh, this Saturday at noon and uh, um, <coughs> against Pitt in Pitt. So, you know, I don't know if we're ready to say this is a must-win. I would think so after six losses in a row, um, and <laughs> I think we're looking at they need at least eight wins uh, here to close out to, to definitely lock up a tourney bid. I think they'll put them in 19 wins on the year. So, um, yeah, let's see what they do at Pitt. Um, hopefully the guys are able to pull it out and start to get on a run here. Pull them through, Bloss. All right, folks, well, that's all we got today. Again, thank you to uh, Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland. You can check him out at shakingthesouthland.com. Um, his article's there. Um, and also, of course, uh, the co-host here, Cody. Appreciate you coming on and wrapping up this basketball episode. Um, we'll be back with some more content, as always, moving on here. Going forward, we'll be uh, covering recruiting and National Signing Day. Um, as well as getting into the start of the baseball season, ongoing coverage of basketball. And then before you know it, folks, right around the corner is uh, spring practice for football. So uh, until we are back with you again, and as always, go Tigers.